sitting here with the beautiful Kristen Pennington. <laughs> and we are trying to figure out what we're going to do. So what we're doing right now is a segment that started with the website for a very brief amount of time before I figured that college was probably more important than me <laughs> reviewing films and writing reviews nobody was reading called the Two Star Review. So now it's um, Two Star Tuesday. It is Two Star Tuesday. And uh, I'm going to try to explain it. You guys kind of be patient with me. I'm still learning how to talk into this thing here. Um, the concept of the Two Star Review is I am a huge horror buff. I, I love everything that is terrifying. It makes my heart smile. I like to listen to serial podcasts, serial killer podcasts when I go to sleep. I am serial killers in the second that I wake up and <laughs> I start writing horror stories and then I deal with horrible people. So I find a huge amount of joy in a really bad horror movie. For example, Kristen and I's entire relationship is basically built on one of the two-star reviews called Zombievers. <laughs> and if you've not seen Zombievers, you're really missing out on just a <laughs> cult classic that nobody has paid attention to yet. <laughs> it's one of the greatest films ever. It's uh, a bunch of college kids, right? They go off to this uh, lake... And the lake is infested with, you guessed it, zombie beavers. And then what you have the joy of is an hour and a half of violent zombie beaver death and sexual innuendo. <laughs> it's the entirety of the movie. It's pointless tits and people get their face chewed off by beavers. And one girl turns into a beaver. Do what? One girl turns into a yeah, beaver. Spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. <sighs> If you weren't, yeah, if you haven't seen Zombievers, you're not going to see Zombievers. But anyway, <laughs> the concept of the two-star review was that we would find movies that are rated two stars on Netflix, particularly horror films, and we would actually respect them as a movie or make fun of them for what they did. I want to find the good in the awful that is the two-star Netflix horror film. See, this works out in my favor because I enjoy horror films, but I don't enjoy gory films, and I've always mm -hmm. had a weird fascination with um, really terrible sci-fi and horror films like i used to watch um the sci-fi channel like in the background for fun when i was hanging mm -hmm. out by myself at home and um i don't know i'd always like have a debate with myself in my head while watching these films like because i've worked on some very low budget films and definitely thought like we were really trying our best and doing a decent mm -hmm. job so I always have this debate with myself when I watch B films that it's like okay did the crew that was making this have faith in this project and thought they were really turning out something <laughs> worth watching or did they realize their budget sucked and they were like fuck it let's have the, fun <laughs> the craziest shit is right with films like the one that we're going to talk about today and Zombievers if somebody actually put a budget to that they had a bigger production they've got credits yeah they blew their whole budget on <laughs> oh, we'll get into it <laughs> but um like, there's teams and teams and teams of people putting this up. And this isn't a VHS tape that got handed to us at the mall. This is on fucking Netflix. Like, this is... 
a thing that thousands of people have watched, presumably, because it's been up there for fucking months, right? right? Enough so if, people like those type of films that Netflix buys them and puts them up. Yeah. <laughs> so. And if they can do it, we can do it. And that's <laughs> <laughs> the whole point of the, the Nightmare Box in and of itself, right? Okay, like, so what movie are we doing today? The movie that we are watching today is not as good as Zombievers. <laughs> I don't think lot. that's what it's called. Do what? I don't think that's what it's no, called. No, no. I, I'm writing that sequel. That is my next project. <laughs> not as good as Zombievers. The Brett Bloom mm. story. Um, no, the film that we're talking about today is called Most Likely to Die. If you're wondering about Most Likely to Die and you're saying, why didn't I ever hear about that movie? Why didn't I catch that in the movie theater? Why didn't I? It's got a 4 out of 10 on IMDb. It has a 10% Rotten Tomatoes rating. Ooh, that hurts. It's got a massive cast of people you've never heard of. And then there's Perez Hilton. <laughs> <laughs> who, even on the second go around, I said to myself, that is not Perez Hilton. It doesn't look like Perez Hilton. It looks like one of Perez Hilton's friends. But he's not all, you know, plays the most stereotypical gay dude in the world. Uh, we'll get into that. And there's some dead air for you. I wrote four pages of show notes. I compiled ten points. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Well, but let's let's talk about what we actually liked about the film first. Because it, it can I do a brief synopsis? Yeah. Of it? Enjoy my shift in pages. <laughs> um, so it centers around a. 10-year reunion, which is going to happen in the next day, which is why we picked the film in the first place. And these actors look like they're in their 40s. They are in their 40s. <laughs> Perez Hilton is in this fucking movie. It's only like three years old. <laughs> <laughs> these actors do not look like they belong at a 10-year no, high school reunion. No, 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 no. I am about to go through the 10-year reunion process. I know what all my friends look like. Even my <laughs> roughest friends don't look like 70-year-old alcoholics. <laughs> with fucking, no, it's, it's madness. And uh, so anyway, it's this yearbook staff. Uh, it's got, how many people did we say there were oh, in the staff? He's not in that. At least 10, I think. Like around there. I think you're right. There's I think it's 10 of, of them. There's like 12 total characters that you really like learn way too fucking and much about. Two of them aren't connected. Yeah, but two of them aren't, you know, in the thing. But um, it centers around this 10-year... Uh, reunion for the yearbook staff the day before the reunion they're like getting things together for the big you know hoorah look at us we're all fucking 28 and when they show up at the house there's these pictures that are on the wall and they're the yearbook pictures for everybody else you're going to learn way too much about for the next 45 fucking minutes and my refrigerator clicked on and it did I hear that me. the humming in the background yeah Sorry, We're, guys. I'm not uh, good at this. Podcasting uh, from our apartment. <laughs> <laughs> so they arrive, and everybody's pictures up on the wall. And what you Can learn I... really early into the film is that at the bottom of these pictures, because it's the yearbook staff, there's these most likely two. It's kind of the whole theme. And what you learn throughout the film is that these people are being killed in accordance with these. What do you call them? Superlative votes. But, like, yeah, to, sorry, interject on your synopsis, like, the thing that I thought was interesting, if I'm remembering correctly, 
is they say in the film that they gave themselves their own most likely twos because Mm -hmm. these weren't, quote unquote, the type of people that would get nominated for superlatives. But then we go on to like emphasize how popular yeah there's like a football player a cheerleader a hockey star like they make them out like they're a ragtag group of losers but then they're all like for the most part there's like one or two that aren't but for the most part they're all like the popular kids from school first bitch shows up in like a mercedes convertible (laughs) 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 this isn't the sweaty guy that sits in the back of the classroom with the fucking trench coat and the sweatpants on you know carving pentagrams into his forehead or something but they are technically i guess superlative type titles like they're most likely to whatever but they gave themselves these titles so you've got titles that are uh, uh, we don't have them all written down but like most likely to have her name up in lights uh most likely to break hearts most likely to eat anything to have the last laugh like those types of things which are like their own little foreshadow moments so you get this really interesting shot right off the bat when ashley walks into the house and she sees all of these posters, you know, that are up on the wall. And then Ashley um, takes her clothes off. Because <laughs> that's what you do. Good move, Ashley. <laughs> um, and the slut person immediately gets killed. She like, <laughs> walks through the house. She's like, oh, we're playing this really sexy hide-and-go-seek game. She ignores it because it's like, oh, you're getting colder. Getting cold is a grave. Get ready to die. And she's like, I can't run out of the house. So she tries to run out of the house, finds out she's a ditzy blonde. She's too stupid to fucking open the deadbolt from the inside of a building, which didn't make any <laughs> fucking sense. And uh, she gets killed. She gets killed bad, apparently, but it happens off screen. I'm interrupting the synopsis. I'm not good at synopsizing. (laughs) All you need to know is she dies, presumably, very early in. And you don't see her die until the 34-minute mark. You have to wait half an hour for the first piece of blood to show up on the fucking screen. Yeah, I was like, you don't find out that she's like legit dead dead. Oh, she's super dead. <laughs> she got no, super later. killed. Do I? Is it until the 30 whatever mark? Yeah, the movie doesn't really kick off, right? Until minute 55. And it's only an hour and 20, I think. It's a yeah. really short film. Yeah, we watched this movie today with all of the dialogue more or less cut out and we just went to the interesting scenes there were dialogue in a couple of those scenes so we're not just going off the kills we self-edited this film down to half an hour and it was one of the greatest cult classic films I've ever seen I was like that is a really interesting deal but the problem with this movie I'll just dive right into it I'm going to completely abandon the format right here (laughs) the the problem in this movie for me is the the writing is uh, I I don't want to say it's atrocious. It's I don't. Bad. It's really bad. But the, the dialogue, dialogue is worse mm-hmm. because you have a cast of ten people, each of them has a twenty-minute story to tell, and they all tell it to one other person. Nobody's like, "Hey, gang, this is what I've been doing for the past ten years." They have to have these really quiet, one-on-ones about some dude who fucked some other girl ten years ago. And it's like, why are you still obsessing on this? <laughs> And uh, it kills the movie. It kills it. Like You're like, cool chase scene right off the bat. 30 minutes of useless dialogue. And then <laughs> the first... Like, the first death of the film is, like, literally pretty much immediately. But like Brett said, you don't see the death. Yeah. 
And then, yeah, 30 minutes later before you actually see anybody die, which mm-hmm. is a very unusual thing for a B-horror film, I feel like. God, no, normally everybody gets killed, and then there's like two people alive for the last half hour of tension. Which is interesting because I feel like B-horror films are kind of notorious for not serious development. Like, mm-hmm. you don't really get to know the characters. The characters don't really develop. It's just a lot of action and blood and then whoever survives survives and that's the end of the movie and um this film (laughs) wastes 30 minutes introducing you to the characters they still never develop and then we finally get into the killings well that was one of the things that you brought up which i didn't catch the first time around because i'm I'm, I'm dumb (laughs) each one of these 10 characters has a really intricate story story this isn't like, yeah, man, I got out of high school, I didn't go to college, I just kind of work at the auto zone. Every day's just the auto zone. <laughs> you know, I really wish Becky loved me. Like, it's never like that. You know, like, everybody's like, one's a poker player, one's some, like, renegade um, fucking movie star shows up with a supermodel. One of them's a famous hockey player yeah you're a famous <laughs> hockey player and you got like the drunk who like killed his boyfriend and you're like, like, there's no simple story so you get so buried in this fucking background like this character development goes on and on and on like well, an old english i would like, say character introduction because they don't i said i would say character introduction not development because they don't develop the characters develop themselves all. they just tell you like you could have made a movie about each one of these peoples before peoples each one of these people before they showed up at this fucking house. It's an unnecessary. No, it's stupid. I'm not for it. Uh, and I wanted to start on the positives. Here well, we are, okay, just okay. shitting well, on it, it already. I have written here an interesting concept because what it is is you got ten people in the house. You expect the killer comes into the house, lo and fucking behold, that's exactly what he does. But it's the reversal of the typical trope that happens there. Normally, you know, you, it, everybody else is innocent, and there's like, oh my god, they're smoking pot, and you like stab them in the back a whole bunch of times. This one is, spoiler alert, I meant to do that way earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> The kid who was getting picked on in high school who gets expelled because somebody put a gun in his locker goes back and kills the yearbook staff, which is just mind-blowing. It's like a Jason Voorhees level, like, go fuck yourself. All of these people in particular had picked on him, so he's exacting his own revenge. Which is a brilliant concept. It's just ridiculously executed. (laughs) I wish that I would have known. Like, if they would have kept it ominous the whole time. Like, oh my God, the guy that we thought was dead is actually out there. Like, But they never bring it up. They start accusing each other. It doesn't make sense. I feel like that's a little natural, though. If you were in that situation, wouldn't you become... Because all of these people, they do make a point to say that. Haven't seen each other or really been involved in, in each years, other's lives yeah. in 10 years, so they don't actually know each other. And I do feel like that is... Um, a little realistic that is one concept that was like okay like I would feel suspicious of the other people in the room with me mm-hmm. if I didn't really know these people but nobody at any point in the film does anything to try to keep themselves alive never no <laughs> they find a gun and they put the gun back 
they they find a knife and they put the knife back. Their friends are getting, like, at one point, literally gets her head ripped off of her shoulders by this killer's bare hands. Just blood all over the fucking place. Beautiful, beautiful, best kill in the movie. No gun. Why didn't she have a gun? Because they found it in the book and they put it back in the book and they put it back on the bookshelf. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, they... I get it, California's liberal with their handgun laws, but if they wanted one, that was the time. They continuously split up from each other. They're like, we're going to go do this, and you guys go do that, and like... They get a three-man team together to go to the bathroom at one point, and then completely give up on that fucking... Yeah, and all of their fuel lines get cut, which is so stereotypical, because there are like 20 fucking cars in the driveway. (laughs) Not a single one of them works, except yeah, and for none the of them variant. work at the auto zone. We would have been able to put that shit together fast as fuck. But like, I don't know where the fuel line is. They're like, we're just gonna stay in the house and split up and not arm ourselves. They don't hunker down and try to fight back. They don't try to leave the house. Yeah. Like, it's absurd. Yeah, they've got a shed. Oh, I figured it out. That why I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, tap on the mic. Uh, Listen up, viewers. Yeah, pay attention. You over there? I'm tapping you on the skull. Yeah, in the intro scene, Ashley is running to the shed, which happens in a matter of seconds. It's the best shot in the entire film, Mm -hmm. bar none. We were very excited about the movie because of that opening shot. Yet, it takes the rest of the team until nightfall to get to the shed. So, like, unless she's, like, Usain Bolt. Like, I don't <laughs> She's just hauling ass out there. The killer's keeping up with her. The killer couldn't make it back to the house, right? Unless he teleported. Without passing these people on the road, he would have mm-hmm. just been walking around in his dumb little blue uniform. <laughs> but, no, the shed is, like, ten miles away. It's got the <laughs> one generator that powers this villa that they're all staying in. So when they kill the power to the shed, it kills the power to the house. It, 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 I don't know. I'm lost. I'm confused. <laughs> Restart. You, you, you take over. I'm, I'm rambling. Again. Oh, I... I <laughs> it's a two... Was it two star or was it two and a half star? It was two and a half star, yeah. so it hardly fit the criteria. But I, well, it's yeah. under three stars, so I'm counting it. But it's a two star film, so... Um, like obviously it's gonna have problems we knew it's gonna have problems um a lot of plot holes like there's a fucking so, phone that the character who owns the house like a house phone yeah the character that owns the house in the beginning is talking on and at no point in the film do any of them try to use the house phone but they conveniently don't have cell service yeah to call for help um so yeah there's a lot of very stereotypical horror tropes but we did... Um, we identified a few that weren't. Like, for example, because nobody remembers the house phone, the black guy gets to live to be the last victim, which is very unique because he mm. drives off. Everybody else gets killed. The black dude is the last guy to get killed mm. before the bad guy Yeah, dies. I was like, there's one more death. It's not one of the victims. No, he, he's the last of the victims of the killer, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Very aggressive death. Though. Very, very there aggressive two... death. Two extremely aggressive deaths that were actually, and I will praise the film for that, 
well done. Um, they blew their whole budget on like a combined total of like 45 seconds of film, but that 45 seconds of film is fucking awesome. Yeah, like they, they did have the balls to actually show quite a few... Um, sorry, <laughs> lost my train of thought. Quite a few relatively intense deaths. Like mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh... Which that does happen. It's not just like all of the deaths are like, oh, you got stabby stabbed or you got shot or whatever, because that's relatively easy to fake. The first kill on screen, that strangulation was really mm. basic. Yeah, and there are a few. Like, people get stabbed, one chick gets shot, so there are some fairly basic deaths, but they did have one or two in there that were like Holy very fuck aggressive, violent. very violent, and <laughs> the camera doesn't cut away like you see it. Mm-hmm. So. They did nail a couple of things, for sure. What I wanted to ask you about was that that opening shot that we've kind of come mm-hmm. back to and this whole idea of um, how well it is shot at certain points. Mm-hmm. Is tension in camera movement, like that opening shot like where it shakes it? and a quick float, mm-hmm. you know, quick shots. I don't know the technical terms. Well, um, the entire opening, not just um, that specific chase scene, was really well done. Like, I had very high expectations for the film because of it. Um, there are a lot of really pretty aerial shots that, like, establish the scene that they're in that I am very suspicious stock footage that they paid for. I don't think they shot those themselves. I may be wrong about that, but like very pretty opening scenes, a really pretty tracking scene of the car or the camera following the car as the first girl is driving to the location. The intro um, with the credits was really beautiful, like showed a lot of really cool close-up shots, but then um, you get the first chase scene of the first girl that dies and yeah, um, a lot of really well done tension building scenes. Like you get um, shots of her like running away from the house or whatever, and then there's a moment where, of course, like all victims do in horror films, she trips. <laughs> but they did something different with that, even. So yeah, she like trips she... and you get that like outside perspective of her sprawling on the floors. Yeah, well, she hits the ground, and I think that's interesting. Um, there's a moment where the shot blacks out and I wish they would have held it a bit longer than they did but um, it kind of in a way makes the viewer feel like they're the one that's Mm -hmm. being chased because you're seeing it from you know outside of her perspective but it's almost shot like you're the victim so for like a brief moment the camera blacks out as her head hits the ground like you're losing your own vision and then there's a lot of the camera or the well, like tension just kicked off. Like the tension in the shot, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> it was like it got much quieter just then. Yeah, the uh, the tension. There's a lot of like rapid fire. Yeah, it cuts. almost works like writing works, like in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like you use shorter sentences to create that. And they're almost, which is typically not a positive thing. They're almost like jump cuts, which oh, really? is a continuity error a lot of the time. That's not normally a good thing, but it's good. If you're trying to like add tension or like mm-hmm. add an unease to the film, so like you get like these like sudden like cuts in the camera, but the camera's staying on her the whole time, so you get this weird like feeling like you're disoriented because the shot mm-hmm. keeps shifting. 
So, um, yeah, I thought that was really well done because it's, it's these rapid cuts to like her like flipping over onto her back and then like clawing at the dirt and like you know trying to get away before she's inevitably dragged into the shed that's 10 million miles away (laughs) yeah she gets dragged into the shed and the door slams shut and then you're left with all that silence right to what? And then the generator kicks and on. And the generator kicks on. And it reminded me so much of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I think it was an homage because they mentioned that movie like 15 times. Like, oh man, I feel like I'm in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I, I mean, outside of that, that is my one praise for the film. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, or not, not my one praise, but one of my praises for the film. Like, the intro was very well done. Like, I had very high expectations for the film, and it was still, for the most part, very well shot throughout, but... Well, the hallway scene, the the scene with, um... Which one? John Doe. Oh, uh, uh, Campbell. Campbell The the girl who catches it in the throat. Simone. I think that's her name. Bella. No, that's Simone. Bella is the model. Simone, yeah. Simone's the one who... Uh, gets chucked in the hot tub and she the, gets slit in the hallway first. No, the one who gets the fucking hat thrown at her. Oh, I thought that you That was talking, Bella. Yeah, that is Bella. I thought you were talking about the hallway shot before the one girl goes walking down the hall. Is that, Which one am I? I, I just remember... Bella gets axed in the kitchen. I'm thinking of Simone when mm-hmm. the music's playing. Mm-hmm. And then they get that harsh 45 degree angle. That's Simone. It's a sick fucking shot. <laughs> they did that shot like a couple of times, though. You can almost tell that it was shot in the same exact night because the, it's the same dark hallway with the blue coming mm-hmm. in. I feel like they could have played with that a little bit more. Speaking of the... Uh, you were talking about the, the drumming or whatever. Oh, the, yeah. That's another thing. Like, the, the sound of the film. Incredible. Like, it's a high school reunion so they play up on that a lot like one of the girls was a cheerleader so there's like this like almost like drumming chant anytime uh not well not anytime but several times when a character dies so it almost feels like uh, like the sound builds a little bit so you can almost feel the tension of like this doom coming on you and like in one that one scene in particular where he's got that water jug or bucket or mm, whatever that was yeah. in the hallway and he's just hitting it and he's like and then you start to hear the band from like some gymnasium start to take that over and then he like grabs that jug and starts banging it against the walls That's it was really so cool fucking cool god damn so if kudos. they would have just cut the first 40 <laughs> minutes out of this movie I would have been in love with it kudos to whoever did the sound design on that yeah film. no the sound design was fucking perfect the music was awesome the closing credits the music was fantastic good choice there you know oh that's <laughs> I don't really have anything to say about the writing except that this uh, needed an editor at any point, at any moment. Somebody should have looked over it and been like, do we really need to know about the backstory of the girl who is already dead? And we discovered today, which I'm a little blown away by, we were reviewing just notes we wanted to make about the film. I think that there's a sequel. <laughs> like we haven't we haven't like actually looked that up, but there like is. 
most likely to die too popped up in my search whenever I was looking up stuff and holy crap. You call it like reunion night? Like it's no, just like they waited five years to make the fucking check sequel. to verify that. So I could that could have just been something that popped up because people were like searching to see if there was a sequel or whatever. But there is potentially a sequel to this film out there. Oh, I, I I hope that <laughs> it died in production. Sharknado hell. made it to like what six or seven though. Like yeah, Sharknado. but this is no Sharknado. But that's not a good film this either. This one takes itself too seriously. <laughs> What I love is the few moments where it doesn't take itself mm-hmm. too seriously. Like, you can tell at a certain point that Perez Hilton is not playing whatever game that they're trying to play. <laughs> he plays the stereotypical gay guy. So bad at one point, when the killer is on the loose, he's hiding in the closet with a pan eating cookies. <laughs> I did laugh at that. <laughs> the, like, cracked me up. Because he just chucks a handful of cookies at the girl when she opens the door. <laughs> Like, that's going to save him. It's like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Stress eat. Which I can relate to on such a level. (laughs) That, at the end, after the killer's dead, and he just starts pitching this fucking script idea. Like, 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 Campbell's been stabbed like six times at this point. He's like, I got a really cool idea for a movie, bro. And my, I think my favorite line of his is when they're in the kitchen and he's like talking about the killer and he's like, he's Texas Chainsaw Murder Happy. (laughs) (laughs) Or something Speaking of, what was your favorite line? Did you you walk away with a favorite? Because I got two. Ah, that might be it, honestly. It's Texas (laughs) Chainsaw Murder Happy. I've got... (laughs) You never did sign my yearbook, Campbell, oh, which I loved. And then the, the, that was creepy, though. That wasn't like I loved it, though. It, it, yeah, it moved me. That wasn't like a thing where I was like, "Oh, that's a cheesy line." I was like, "Holy shit!" Because he he gets a phone call and they pick up a phone that's just laying on the floor in, in the, the hallway. hallway. In the hallway. Yeah, show. and that's that's the first thing the voice says on the other end is, "You never did sign my yearbook, Campbell." <laughs> You never did sign my And then my Campbell gets fucked up with a straight razor. Like, not a straight razor, but like one of those... Exacto boys, Retractable yeah. razors, yeah. Gets stuck like five times by that fucking thing. And then survives inexplicably for the remainder of the And film. it's like a half hour. He's yeah. bleeding out. He's just and... eating all these, like, gut shots with this razor blade. But Every... he's, he's still, like, well enough to get up and walk at yeah, the end of the film. He gets up and walks his way out of there after getting stabbed for the sixth time. Like, she's like, I'm only going to put this much of the razor blade in him. It's like, that dude is losing blood like crazy. His right shirt just... wasn't even bloody. If you watch at the end of the movie, his shirt is only is bloody not... in the recent stab wound. This day hmm. has been hanging out in a gray sweatshirt the entire time. He's been eating fucking razors for the past. <laughs> and the... <coughs> Sorry. The first thing that they do is they get him in the... We're all over the place. We're going to have to redo this. The first thing that they do... It's authentic. They fucking bring him in. They put him on the couch. And they make him tea. Boil water. The killer is in the house. Everybody. They still don't have weapons. Every... No, they had a gun by then. No, she lost it. At that point, she had lost it. Because she had already acted. No, because that's how they get him off at Campbell. She pulls the gun. Yeah, they lose the gun later on inexplicably after she shoots her lesbian friend. Aw, spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, they they take him in, they put him on the couch, and they're like, what should we do? Should we go, I don't know, try to kill the guy who's killing fucking everybody? Or should we go make Campbell tea? (laughs) It'll just whistle. It'll let him know we're here. He'll feel better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll feel better. Which That'd be seems chai. Like, 
The opposite of what you want, though, because we make tea a lot before bed. So, like, don't you want them to stay awake? Let's not, like, make them cozy and comfortable. It's California. Anybody got to bump a Coke? We could feed this guy to fucking, like, kickstart his heart or some shit. (laughs) What's your uh, other favorite line? We didn't say the other one. Um, Other favorite line was the very end after she shoots the killer. Who, if you put any of this together, you probably already figured out that it's That's DJ the ice maker. Now. Yeah, I live in a very loud apartment. <laughs> um, is she guns him down? She shoots him in the chest. She shoots him in the face, and she goes, "Who's got the last laugh now, motherfucker?" And I was like, "That is a classic B movie line. That is some <laughs> shit out of an exploitation film from like the '70s." <laughs> Who's got the last line now, motherfucker? <laughs> and then there's the unnecessary guy who looks like Thor shirtless scene where he's like, I just want to let everybody know. But I might have got my ass kicked by that 125 pound bad guy, but uh, I'm going to shoot this dude in the face like 18 times. Well, I can relate to that though. Like, I do Being feel Being jacked like... and tied up in a car for the <laughs> no. entirety of a film. No, I think it's ridiculous that that dude got overpowered in the first place because yeah. the actual killer is scrawny. But, um... No, like the like quadruple tapping the killer at the end because oh, like no, you no. want to make you sure had that dude's dead he just does it without saying a word he's like give me the gun making sure that motherfucker's he not ain't coming moving back. if you would have i don't know searched through the house you would have found the second dude who shows up like i don't know this movie doesn't make any sense yeah it's a B-horror film. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it bothers me. Be, it, we'll, we'll get to the wrap-up point here. That's not my complaint. Mm-hmm. We're kind of all over the goddamn place because I'm manic. But <laughs> um, I had a point. I lost my point. Oh, no. Say something. Um, something. <laughs> Uh, I, I like I didn't hate it to be fair. Mm-hmm. Like Me. there were there were a few moments the first time we watched it where I was counting down like how much longer can this scene last? But my advice I think I would be if you're going to watch this film, I think you stop fifteen minutes in after the characters have all been semi-introduced, where you're like, well, now I know their names. Mm-hmm. And then you just skip until you see blood. You just... <laughs> and you can watch the entirety of this in half an hour, and you won't be disappointed. But if okay. you sit through 40 minutes of dialogue, you're going to want to gouge your goddamn eyes out. There's a lesson to be learned here, though, because part of... Oh, no, i got a bunch of lessons. The point of, um, you know making your own projects and then also critically looking at other people's mm. products or products projects is um so what'd you learn from what yeah what the takeaway is and mm-hmm. for me it's definitely that whole um to double quote you less is more and kill your darlings um if it's not essential <clears throat> for credit. sure like this would have been a pretty cool I mean, it was already a relatively short film, but this would have been a pretty cool short film. Like, if you had hacked, like, a good half of this movie out, it would have been a really cool film. Yeah, I would have loved it as a short film. Like, if they would have just given us the initial backstory. Like, it was beautifully shot. Mm -hmm. 
The music was incredible. Mm -hmm. The audio was incredible. I really liked the setting of the film. The writing makes me want to break both of my hands. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So I think what we should consider moving forward, the main takeaway that I have, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll, I'll hand it over because I just stole the mic and I hand the mic back over oh, to you and let you walk us say. out of here, is as writers and filmmakers, consider how easy it would be to let your characters think critically. There were hundreds of times where they should have been able to kill that guy. They should have been able to get out of that house. They should have been able to blah, 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 blah. It, it's, it, you start watching it in the first 10 minutes, everything starts fucking falling apart from a logical standpoint. Mm-hmm. You want to make your characters relatable, but you don't want to treat your audience like an idiot. And they do, for sure. Hardcore, but I sound like an idiot on this podcast. <laughs> I... I'm rambling. So, I love you guys. I'm going to let Kristen tell her takeaway. Oh, I mean, that was kind of my takeaway. I know like you I, were, and I stole your moment. <laughs> like, I, I feel like, yeah. Like, um, for sure, as independent artists, like, considering what's vital to your own projects moving forward, like, more is not always better. Like quality over quantity for sure like I I feel like like I said this film would have been great with significantly less in it and I don't think having the length to the film isn't necessarily what makes the film excellent like um, I haven't seen the feature length film by any means so I don't know if the feature length film is any good but um, god I hope I'm not getting his name wrong David Sandberg, I believe, was the director who did the short film Lights Out, and then they offered him a feature-length film, and the short film was pretty creepy and pretty Mm. cool. So if you have not seen the short film Lights Out, it's on Vimeo. Um, Again, I haven't seen the feature, so I don't know if the feature's any good or not, but you can make really quality work with less. And this film clearly had a budget because somebody paid for all this shit and it was an interesting idea that they then stretched into the length of a feature film. Could have easily been a half hour. Yeah, and it would have been a kick-ass film. So, yeah, I guess that's my takeaway. Like, more isn't always better. Like, if you have the means to make a short film that you think is really cool, make the fucking short film. Like, don't feel like you need to stretch this out into a feature film for people to care for people to notice because again i hope i'm getting his name right david sandberg got a film deal from his short film so focus on quality focus on what matters for your film kill everything else kill those darlings (laughs) choke out your bad days (laughs) jacks is snoring (laughs) so is the audience I Thank you, Jack, for giving us the fucking out there. I was trying to figure out what funny thing I could say to bring us all back together. But uh, <laughs> this is Brett Bloom and Kristen Pennington, and this is the two star two. What do we call it? Two Tuesday, star Tuesdays. Two star Tuesdays, mm-hmm. and this is the two star equivalent to the film we just watched in <laughs> podcast form. So, if you put up with our shit long enough. I really appreciate it. We're trying to figure this out. We're getting better at it every time. 
You should have seen us a week ago. We didn't know what the fuck was going on. Cheers. So, cheers.